Good morning again. Um, I'm always, always thankful uh, and feel blessed to be able to stand before you and, and to preach. I love this church. I love the people here and uh, families, every man, woman, and child. And we're, we're so blessed to have this fellowship, uh, to have this body uh, to, to share. And uh, in many ways, the bond that we share thicker than, than, than blood. Uh, it's, it is, we are bound by blood, but <clears throat> instead of a, a physical bond, it's a spiritual one, and I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that you are here with us today, uh, the last, last Sunday of 2019, and it certainly seems strange uh, that, it, that it's so quickly uh, the end of the year, and, and we're, we're about to begin a new, a new year, a new decade. And so, fittingly, for many of us, our thoughts are probably scanning the memories. We're, pro- we're probably thinking about what's happened. How did we get here? How did we get to this point? We're thinking about this year. We're thinking about the past. And, and in so doing, um, as I mentioned in the, in the first couple minutes as we began our worship this morning... Uh, as we think about the past, it probably is pretty common for us to think about and even dwell on those things that we regret, those things that we wish were different, those things we wish that we could change. And, and that's what I want us to think about this morning. Can we, can we start over? I don't, know if you're a, <clears throat> I don't know if you're a New Year's resolution type person. Um, a, a lot of us like to do that. A lot of people like to do that. We were talking in the, the teen class this morning about how, how far into the year people typically make it with their resolutions. And it's not that far. <laughs> it's not that, not that long. Um, and I'm, I'm probably missing this a little bit, but I studied this a little while ago and I uh, think the average person who does set a new year's resolution is done with it by about january 12th um and so that's like eight days before things become a habit right then they say 20 days something becomes a habit if you do it well so resolutions may not be the way the way to go about it and and you have a good reason to change something change it change it when you need to change it don't wait for the new year but here we are as the new year is about to start <clears throat> And if you've been around for more than a few years, as I mentioned, you've probably said or thought, I just want to start over. Or you've, or you've said or thought, I just wish I could go back to this point in time or this point in my life and I wish I could start fresh there. I always think about this. I wrote an article about it a long time ago. But I think about this trip that my family and I took. My dad was a preacher, is a preacher, and um, he, we all loaded up in the car and, well, it was the Ford Aerostar with optional rear air conditioning. Um, only thing I didn't like about the rear air conditioning is you couldn't climb under the seat in the back, you know, while you drove, you know, we didn't buckle up. And so you could ride, you could ride under the seat if you were small enough to fit. And I was then, so, um, but we were riding to a place called Campwood, Texas. Anyone? You know, a lot of times people will put their hand up if they know what you're talking about. But um, Campwood, Texas is a very small, 
a central Texas town where the goats outnumber the people at least two or three or four to one. Uh, we woke up that morning you know, after we got there and uh, walked out onto the porch of the house that we were staying in and was completely surrounded by goats, the whole porch. You know, you couldn't, couldn't get off the porch, which I always thought was interesting. We liked that. But we, were, we drove this long trip uh, from... Uh, Alabama out to Texas and we're we're looking at this uh, this this place where dad was considering preaching and along the way um, the young the children these days depend on screens of various kinds and types to keep them occupied and and uh, anyone who's over 30 35 probably doesn't probably remembers a time when that wasn't an option for you to to keep yourself occupied, so we did all kinds of things. We counted cows, we uh, we played we played through the alphabet multiple times, and once you got tired of that, uh, we even made up games. And I don't even remember. You know, some of them were really silly, uh, but we made up. You know, we we did things to to pass the time. And and at some point on this trip, my older brother David and I. Uh, started pretending that we were in, we were in a race with the other cars on the road, so we'd stop at a traffic light and uh, we would we would see these other cars and we would pretend we were racing them. We'd lose, we'd win, whatever. But uh, it was something to pass the time. And the trip was I, I, it just seemed like it was very long. Of course, my kids think driving home from church is long so I, that may it may be something more like that but we were we were just so bored and so and we wanted to get there so bad or want, and at some point I looked over at my brother and I said hey what if we had to go all the way back to the beginning of that race that we started what if we had to go all the way back and, and endure this long trip again oh no I don't want to do that and then for years from from time to time we were kids we would bring that up hey what if we had to go back to the race right now um, and it's, you know, it's funny and silly and, uh, to think about now, but as you know, um, as life passes and as, as troubles come and, and uh, pain and heartache enter your life, you think about those little memories like that and remember and you think sometimes, you know, it wouldn't be that bad. You know, it wouldn't be that bad to go back to the beginning of that little race and, and be able to, knowing what you know now, to change some things about the way your life has gone and the choices that you've made. But what if you could? What if you could? What if you could go back? What if you could choose right now to go back and, and start over or start at some point? Would you do it? And, and there's a part of me that thinks, well, you know, maybe, because I, I, I certainly do regret some things um, with, with, a, with an earnest regret and wish that I'd done some things differently. But, but there are certainly things that, looking back, I see God's handiwork in my life, and I, I remember, I remember um, <clears throat> the moments coming out of a darkness or a valley in life and then having your eyes just open to the ways that God was present and the things that He did for me and, and, and with me while I was going through that heartache. And so it's hard when you think about all those things and you put them together, it's hard to decide what I would do if I could go back. If I would, you know, would I do it or wouldn't I? But the wonderful thing is, we can 
actually do something even better than uh, re-entering our early days to fix our mistakes. And I want to walk for just a few minutes, uh, for a few minutes that we have, have left. Uh, I want to walk through and in the life of Paul, the apostle. Um, his story is so compelling, and every time I read it, I, I feel... I feel drawn in, I feel drawn to him, and I feel, feel like his story and the way that his life panned out um, speaks to me in, in a special way, as, as I know it does to many of you. But uh, we can't be exactly sure. Uh, he, he was, at an early age, he, he was persecuting Christians as he was younger. We don't know exactly when that, that mission of persecution against the church or against Christ and, and the church would have, would have definitely begun. But, but we know he was greatly feared and we know the kind of reputation that he had. Uh, people heard his name, Christians heard his name and feared and were afraid. Um, we'll jump ahead and jump back and forth a little bit. But you know, Ananias, when he was called to go minister to Paul later in his story, he was afraid because he, he had heard of, of the things that Paul had done and and then uh, the disciples in general, even, even later in his life when he was trying to do good, the disciples didn't believe that he was really a disciple. They didn't want to go and submit themselves to his presence thinking, well, maybe he's there to ambush us. He's, he's there to take us to prison. But Paul's first appearance that we have in the Bible is, is as a witness to the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was the first recorded martyr uh, in the New Testament, and, and he was killed for preaching the gospel, for preaching this sermon that greatly offended the Jewish hearers. And Paul was consenting to, he was in agreement that Stephen should be killed for what he did. Um, I, and, you know, so that, that in and of itself, uh, I know, uh, just as it is with me, so many of you read that story, and it's hard, it's hard to Hard to read and to see this good man who's trying to do the right thing and he's got, he's got uh, courage and he's brave and he, he preaches the gospel and then he's loving and forgiving, asking God to forgive those who were, who were executing him. And I remember Eli as a boy, we, we, we read that story. He was real small. And this was one of those that is, you know, it's troubling. And so he was very concerned and very worried. And he would ask when he was younger, does this end good? Is it, is it a happy, happy story? And it is and it isn't, of course, uh, with, the, with the way that he, he's killed. But, but we see some good things in his life. And, and so it's just hard. It's just a hard thing. And then to know this is where Paul makes his entrance uh, he, is, he is consenting to, he's good with Stephen being killed the way that he was and for what he was doing. Later, Paul would portray himself as a relentless persecutor, though he did sincerely think that he was doing the will of God. Uh, we read in Acts 23, 26, uh, that, that he was genuine in what he was doing. But he chased Christians into foreign cities, um, he beat, imprisoned, and had them put to death. Um, later, he would write, Beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and made havoc of it. In Galatians 1.13. So, I see indications in Scripture, and, and there's enough there in, in the life of Paul and in his writings 
uh, there are indications that the horrible memories of these vicious attacks would follow him. You know, they would follow him for the rest of his life. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, For I am the least of the apostles, he said, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. 1 Timothy 1.15, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Paul, he owned what he had been. He, 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 he took it to himself uh, and, and wasn't trying to hide his past. But it hurt. You know, It was something that he carried with him and something that he, I know, did not enjoy remembering <clears throat> but his ambition to delete Christianity from the face of the earth was going to radically change uh, it, the, the, his desire to see Christians stopped and their message silenced was going to change <clears throat> and, and, and it's not, not so surprising to learn of someone who despised Christ Jesus himself said that they, they people would hate him or they hated him and they would hate those who followed him. Uh, he made it clear that the life of a Christian was not going to be always pleasant. All who would live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Uh, but <clears throat> what happened next in Paul's life is what is surprising. Uh, it was an unexpected development that a man like him, a man who had done the things that he had done and had been so adamant about it would repent and be forgiven and even become an apostle of Christ. So as we step into, we've seen some from his life and just for time's sake we don't really have time to, to look over or to think as in depth about his, the time of his persecutions. But um, his conversion is a very special story and it's very uh, it, it, it's helpful for us to look at how his life changed. Uh, and, and we see that when he was on his way to wreak more havoc um, on the way to Damascus, the Lord appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul asked him, who are you, Lord? And Jesus reveals his identity and, and he commanded Saul to go to Damascus where he would be told what he was to do. And even from the beginning of this event, um, Paul immediately recognized Christ as Lord, and, and this was the beginning of his journey of faith. He even calls him Lord. Uh, he, Acts twenty two eleven. a further sign of his faith was that he did what he was told. Um, he had to be led to Damascus uh, because... He was blinded, but he wanted to go, so he, he asked. He had the men uh, take him in that direction where he'd been told to go. He shows this willingness to obey Christ. Was he forgiven, though, at this point? And, and, and as we walk through this, I, I just want, to, I, I want us to think about uh, his, his salvation uh, and, and think about our own lives and... and and understand when it was that, that his sins were washed away. And, and I think that helps us to know uh, what God expects of us. But uh, his, his sins were not washed away at this point just because he had started doing these few things that the Lord had told him to do. In, in Damascus, he didn't eat or drink for three days. Um, 
and Jesus said, Acts 9, 11, that he was praying. And we, we don't have record, we don't have specific records of his prayers. We don't know what he was praying, but I've often thought I know what I would be praying if, if I had been persecuting Christ and then began to realize that this Christ was the Lord, I know exactly what I would have been praying. I would have been praying for mercy, begging for forgiveness, um, or perhaps just um, inconsolably beside myself knowing or assuming that there would be no hope for someone like me. But after praying and fasting for three days... um, Again, I ask the question, were his sins forgiven at this point? We'll continue the story in in order to determine that. God sends a man named Ananias to him who healed his blindness. Ananias was instructed to say to him, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 22 and verse 16 and the Bible says in Acts 9:18 that he immediately rose and was baptized. So Saul had believed in the Lord enough to have his companions lead him to Damascus where he then sat praying for 3 days uh, without taking food or water. Yet the servant of the Lord comes to him and urges him to stop waiting and to get up and be baptized to have his sins washed away. Imagine the excitement. Uh, Stop here for just a moment and imagine the excitement of someone, and it's probably that, it's likely not that hard for many of us to imagine because we realize the poor state of our own lives and our own souls, but just imagine having lived the life that he had lived and then to have this mercy shown and, and to have this told to you. What are you waiting for? Arise, you know, get up and be baptized and your sins will be washed away. It's the same hope that we have when we obey this same gospel, when, when, we, um, when we realize that Christ died for us and that it's through his death, burial, and resurrection that we can in the likeness of that death, burial, and resurrection be baptized and have our sins washed away to come up out of the water and walk in newness of life. And so that's a, that's a question uh, midway here that it, I, I, want, I want you to consider if you, whether or not you have obeyed from your heart and followed Christ to, in, in order to wash away your sins. It may be that today uh, in a few minutes... Um, you'll have that need to get up, to stop waiting and to be baptized, to have your sins washed away. That's a great way to start a new year. You see, starting over is possible, and we don't need to be able to go back to a point in our childhood in order to to be able to start over. Uh, For anyone, starting over is possible because Christ made it possible with His blood. So you're here and you know you've messed up. You've messed up in a, maybe you've messed up in, in a really big way. Um, you've hurt those that you love. You've hurt yourself. And maybe this is the kind of mess up that you know is going to follow you in some ways for, for the rest of, of your life. 
And at this point in our lesson, I wanted to point out, perhaps some of you have noticed that I've almost um, exclusively used the name Paul to discuss this character today. And those of you who have noticed that probably also know that Paul was called Saul during, mostly during the persecution portion of his life or during this time that he was persecuting the church. And so there was a reason why I did that. And, and one, one and, and this is not, not to point out any maybe error in our, in our thought or judgment, but I did think this was very interesting. It's possible that we've made a distinction with the names Saul and then Paul that wasn't really there or not for the reason that, that we think. I'll look at this for a minute. I'll try to apply this thought. Uh, Saul and Paul, I believe, were, or, were two names for the same person all along. He's called Saul 11 more times after his conversion experience. Um, I didn't mention, you, you may have even heard or, or read somewhere that Christ possibly changed Saul's name to Paul when he was converted, um, and you know it made it made it more of a special special name in some way. But but as I said, he's called Saul eleven more times after his conversion, and then Acts thirteen nine says, "But Saul, who was also called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit." So here, the converted person is being called both Paul and Saul. Um, not, it's not Saul the tyrant uh, who was renamed Paul the Christian necessarily. Saul and Paul are dual names for one man, uh, both before and after his conversions. Um, and it makes sense. There are a lot of people, a lot of characters in the New Testament or throughout the Bible who are called different names. And uh, this is one of those cases where uh, he had a uh, he had a Hebrew name, Saul. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. You'll remember that being said. Um, and then he had a koine or a Greek name, and that was Paul. And, and it made sense that after he was converted, he would be called uh, by his Greek name more exclusively. And I, I believe Luke was the first one who did that really in the book of Acts. And, and so... The reason why I, I wanted to, I guess, put this before you in this way is I, I think in my mind it's always been neater and tidier for me to get rid of Saul of Tarsus like he, the terrorist of the church, never ex or did, no longer existed and, and that he became Paul the Apostle. It's almost like you can take, you can take Paul or Saul the bad guy and then... Uh, derived from him, Paul the good guy, and, and it's you know, and, and it's cleaner that way. It makes me feel better. But when I separate the two like that, I kind of you know unwillingly water down the grace that was applied to him. Uh, I think I think it's important. It is for me at least to remember that Saul, the ravager of the church, became an apostle, um, or that Paul the apostle once hated Jesus. 
and that's not comfortable, comfortable for me to say. I don't, I don't, I don't like thinking about that, and, and I don't think any of us do. But it's important for me to recognize that, to remember, Paul did those terrible things. Then Paul had to find a way to forget and press on. Paul had to depend on the grace of Christ in his turmoil and heartache for what had happened uh, to him or what he had done. He had to find a way to crawl up out of that pit and to move on um, and, and, and find a way to forgive himself and to accept God's forgiveness. Philippians um, 3, 13 and 14 is a, is a familiar passage relating to Paul's development in his life. And it says, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. That, but, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So we read this and, and so often I, I think, well, so Paul was forgetting about those bad things that he did and he was moving on, pressing on toward the higher calling. And I think that's a part of it. I, I definitely do think that it was, it was a, a, a regular battle for, for Paul to forget about enough, to forget enough about what he had done and who he had been in order to allow himself to accomplish his mission. But I think it's worth mentioning that, that it may not have only been Paul's mistakes that he had to work Hard not to focus on. Um, earlier in this chapter, uh, Philippians 3, 4 through 7 says, Although I once had also had confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he had grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. We focus again, and rightly so, I think, on how difficult it would have been for Paul to keep going, to keep preaching in view of the terrible things he had done to Christians. You know, he'd had to see seen them face to face um, and, and maybe seen family members of ones whom he had persecuted or even been involved in killing and but what about how hard it may have been for him to forget or to move on from remembering how much he had from an earthly standpoint before he, he changed, before he was converted, before he turned to Christ himself. And so I don't know what would be more fitting in your life. And, and each of us has to decide that. And maybe it's both. It probably is. But sometimes, sometimes it's hard for us to forget about our mistakes. Sometimes it's hard for us to forgive ourselves and to move on enough that we can really focus on our mission and really focus on building our faith. But sometimes it's, as, it's also hard to move on from those things that we feel like we lost in becoming Christians. It shouldn't be that like that and, and God's love and grace should ideally fill us to the point where those thoughts don't come, but we know sometimes they do, and, and, and it's important to recognize God knows, and, and He wants to help us through, through those uh, times and, and through those difficulties as well. So in what way do you need to start over? 
We were all created by the most holy, most powerful, and loving God. And although we have sins, uh, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He has provided a way in which we can start over in the ways that matter the most. We can have our sins blotted out or completely removed from our record Something that we can't even do for ourselves. There's no way for me to completely blot out something that I've done because it'll always be with me. It'll always be there if, if, if for no other reason than to remind me of the grace that's been bestowed. But everyone who believes in Christ, or John 8, 24, uh, those who repent or are willing to turn away from their sins... Those of us who can and will confess the name of Christ before others um, and those who will be baptized into Christ to have our sins washed away. Uh, those of us maybe who have been waiting for a time such as this, perhaps today is the day and you, you're going to realize that, that you need to make that decision and that you don't want to wait anymore and you want to have your sins washed away. Um, those who will do those things and then those whose hearts are pointed toward God, those who draw near to Him, those who, who strive to love Him, though in imperfection, uh, those whose hearts are aimed toward Him, can appear blameless before God on the day of judgment. And not because we will be blameless, but because Christ makes us blameless. Not because we are righteous, but because Christ makes us Righteous, Not because we could on our own stand before Him without falling on our faces, but because He will give us... Christ will stand in our place and say, This is one of mine. I have covered Him in, in my blood and He's forgiven. If we'll be faithful unto death, these are the hopes that we have. And I have that hope for you. If, if you are a Christian, if you're not, I hope that you'll do those things that are necessary to make your life right. Do you yearn to restart uh, to a point in your life in order to undo some missteps or, or something that you've done in the past? You, you can't change the past. And that, that hurts to, think, to, to, to say, but, but we can't. We can't change the past, but we can look to Jesus for an eternal future. So my hope for you is that you'll obey the gospel if you haven't, that you'll uh, turn back to God if you've given up on Him. He certainly hasn't given up on you. But we have an opportunity even today for uh, you to renew uh, or to begin your life in Him and with Him. And we'll give you that opportunity right now as we stand and sing together. <laughs>